Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of Around the Coin. My name is Faisal Khan. Thank you for joining us. Today with me, my guest, Abdul Hasib Basit from Innovate Finance UK. Hi, Abdul. Nice to have you here. How are you? Hi, Faisal. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm great. Thank you. Okay. Just for the people who don't know who you are, Abdul Hasib Basit, you're one of the co-founders, if I take it correctly, of Innovate Finance. That's correct. And can you tell a little bit about what Innovate Finance is all about? So Innovate Finance is an independent, not-for-profit membership association based in the UK that represents the fintech sector. Uh, We have over 300 members that range all the way from large financial institutions like Goldman Sachs, Citi, Barclays, HSBC, all the way down to the startups that you've yet to hear about um, that are applying their trade in co-working spaces around the world, uh, and you'll be hearing about very soon, and fintechs of various stages of growth in between. Is this the only agency in the US, like uh, in the UK, the trade body, or are there others? Uh, we're the only uh, UK trade body that's dedicated to fintech. Um, there are others. Um, there are other trade bodies for financial services in the UK, and there are other fintech associations around the world. But we were the first fintech association anywhere in the world. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get started in this thing? I mean, how does a young guy like you end up, you know, co-founding a very powerful, a very influential? Uh, trade body in the UK? Uh, so my background is that I started uh, my career in media uh, during the dot-com boom and um, I was working for a B2B publisher that was taking most of their portfolio online and that for me was a really good grounding in the impact that digital can have on a on an industry and a, and a business. Um, whilst I was there I qualified as an accountant and um, after that I moved into financial services I worked for a decade in financial services, in traditional financial services, uh, mainly for a large Swiss bank. Uh, And there again, the focus was very much on technology, so really working in technology transformation and strategy for the bank. Um, And and in doing so, I I became uh, more familiar with fintech um, as it was uh, becoming more prevalent and decided that uh, I wanted to work in fintech. Uh, and it, just, it was just fortuitous that uh, Innovate Finance was launching at the time uh, when I was thinking about leaving traditional financial services. Uh, and I came on board as one of the first of the team and uh, helped build the business. So when you say Innovate Finance was being formed at the time, how did that f- 
Gen- what was that Genesis moment? Can you tell us who started it and why? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea for Innovate Finance really came uh, off the back of a government consultation in the UK. The government realized that the UK and specifically London had a lead position in fintech, uh, which had developed quite organically. And they wanted to understand how best to promote that and to enhance that. Um, so re- really, in hosting a number of roundtables with the fintech community and the banking community, one of the key threads that came out was that there's the need for an association, a representative body for the sector in the UK that can work for the benefit of the members. Um, and so that whilst the government um, championed this, uh, Innovate Finance was being launched as an independent entity by a consultancy. Uh, and that's the point on which I came on board to help build the business. Give me an example. I mean, I, I understand what a trade body does. It does a lot of work in um, legislation, does a lot of work in lobbying, does a lot of uh, meet and greet, some you know industry seminars. I got to know you, I guess we met through Twitter, if, that, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's um, and you extended an invitation for what I now call one of the premier events uh, in uh, the UK for FinTech, which is your Innovate Finance Conference that happens in, uh, when is it happening now in March, I guess, 2018? Yes, the next one is in March 19th and 20th, 2018. So folks, if you're listening to this, 19th and 20th, 2018, this is has been dubbed in many ways the Oscars of the FinTech in the UK, so it's a hard ticket to get, but a must-attend event. But what exactly are you doing for your members? So I become a member, I pay some fees. What exactly are you doing? Are you lobbying for me? Are you making it easier for me to network? Can you just you know, amplify on something like that? So we describe what we do as three main things for our members. So there is uh, the, the core function of the organization, which is regulatory and policy lobbying or advocacy, as we like to call it, uh, which is making sure that policy changes regulatory changes that are being enacted in the UK are fit for purpose for uh, fintechs uh, and that, that ranges from the large banks to, to smaller organisations as well. Uh, we work very closely with the government, uh, with the Treasury, um, with the FCA here in the UK and the Bank of England. Uh, we also do a number of programmes. You've described our, our flagship programme, the Innovate Finance Global Summit, which is happening in March in 2018 for the next time. That attracts about 2,000 people globally to the UK to understand what's happening in UK fintech, um, but also it, it's a chance for the for the UK to connect with the global community in fintech as well. We also host a number of programs throughout the year focused on getting our members to work more collaboratively together to enhance fintech. So that's large incumbents working with small startups in, in, in various formats. That could be through working groups, through design curated programs uh, on, on specific themes uh, and in specific formats. Uh, and also we run programs that are designed to help startups to scale on their journey uh, as they as they become uh, more international and uh, larger companies. So it is beneficial for a fintech startup in the UK to in- get engaged with your trade body, correct? Absolutely. We're here to serve our members. And uh, the, the final thing we do for our members, the third thing we do is promotion. So that's just not, not just promotion for the sector, but promotion for individual companies as well uh, to really get their brand out there and for them to uh, establish their presence in the fintech space. Okay. Uh, but it's also, uh, I, it's my understanding that you are somewhat of a specialist when it comes to Islamic financing. Can you you know, elaborate on that as well? Yeah, I first came across Islamic finance when I was working in the, in 
um, the traditional banking sector. And um, it was around the time when a number of Islamic banks in the UK were becoming authorized and launching uh, and really became um, interested in the space and started reading around the subject. Uh, And that led me to, uh, through my MBA, uh, which I was doing at the time, do my dissertation on, on Islamic finance and investment within the Islamic finance space. So that's an area I've been hugely interested in and I've followed uh, ever since. Um, so n- not having formally worked in the Islamic finance space, but I do have a, a good understanding of the sector and how it's evolving. And you're still involved in that uh, uh, vertical today or not? Uh, absolutely. I think um, Islamic finance has really started to take notice of fintech and what's happening and the and the transformative power of fintech and how that might evolve the sector going forward. Um, we in the UK are starting to see a number of Islamic finance fintechs emerge as well. Um, we've had the first Islamic finance fintech uh, anywhere in the world that's been uh, authorized by a, a regulator um, here in uh, in the UK, which is Yield as a crowdfunding platform. Uh, and they've also um, taken a very innovative approach to their Sharia compliance as well, which is um, how interesting because that's uh, an interesting development for how the sector is evolving. Very cool. Uh, I can't help but notice, and the reason I had to bring you on this show is there was an article that came out not too many days ago, I believe 25th of July. It was out in New York Times. It it really startled me because having read about all what's happening with Britain and Brexit, uh, this article actually has a headline saying investment in UK fintech tops pre Brexit levels in first half of 2017, and um, I was reading through the first paragraph, and it, you know your name, your your well, your organization's name came up, and obviously you've been quoted in their article a lot. It's almost like a, a misnomer here. I mean, you know, you, you we think about Brexit and we think about declining activity in the fintech. Here we see inclined activity in fintech investments. So. Mike's all yours. Tell us why this is happening. Is Brexit going to happen or not? Well, that's a greater question. But at least let's speak on this investment part because uh, I believe you guys compiled the numbers. Innovate Finance compiled the numbers for uh, the investments. Yes, we do. Um, so this is the fourth time we've done the VC investment landscape, which looks at the global VC investment in fintech. Uh, we do this at a frequency of every six months at least, um, and really it's important for two reasons for us. Firstly, it's to understand the trends, where's the investment going in fintech, uh, what does that mean for uh, signals of maturity of certain verticals within fintech, and more importantly, where's the investment coming from? Um, and really for, for our members, it's important because it's important to understand what investors are interested in, which verticals they're focused on, and where the sources of capital might be available to help scale their own businesses as well. Um, so it's very important from that aspect. And what we've, what we've seen is that um, globally in the first half of 2017, there were 778 deals um, which attracted $6.5 billion of VC investment. And, and year on year for the first half of the year, that's a 45% decrease uh, globally. Uh, and these, these figures coming from uh, PitchBook, which we think is a very reliable source for VC investment data. Um, in the UK, we, we see that uh, we attracted 565 64 million of VC investment and that's actually a 37% increase uh, year on year for the first half of the year uh, and so that's where the the, uh, the headlines coming from in terms of um, the increase uh, to pre-Brexit levels. Now in, in 2016 we did see a decline um, 
post Brexit, uh, where a number of a number of deals that were planned uh, were, were held um, due to the uncertainty around the referendum result. And uh, by the end of Q4, we were starting to see a recovery. So this very much is a, a continued recovery to pre-Brexit levels. Now, having said that, um, we win. We're not quite reaching the heights that we did in 2015 in the UK, which was a, a bumper year for UK VC fintech investment, uh, where we topped $1.3 billion. Um, and it looks like we, we, we may not achieve that again this year. And where, where does London now stand vis-a-vis, let's say, Paris or Frankfurt and the other places, Amsterdam, as far as VC funding is concerned? So generally, when you talk about tech VC, London is a standout uh, European capital for for, for tech still? investment. Still, um, still, and uh, for for fintech uh, e- even more so. Um, the others are uh, are starting to to catch up slowly. Uh, but I think in having spoken to the VC community, which we do quite regularly, they feel that the fundamentals uh, for UK fintech are very strong. So we have a very strong. Um, the financial services sector here, uh, which uh, naturally lends itself well to demand for fintech services. We have uh, great technology companies in the UK, and we have a great talent pool. Um, and sitting alongside that, we have a very proactive regulator in the FCA. So you combine those factors, and the UK is still a very um, attractive investment for, uh, for, for VCs. But for how long? That's the question, right? I mean, do you think... I'm sure you're clients your members are not going to be complacent and make a you know unilateral decision that you know no nothing is going to happen brexit is not really going to take place etc surely they must be thinking about ways of porting themselves or passporting themselves into the greater eu if brexit were to happen and if they feel they would be left out your what, what's your comment on that so uh, absolutely I, I don't think there's anyone's under any illusions that brexit will happen in some form um it, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty around how that how it will it will unfold, and uh, as more certainty um, come or as more certain plans come to light, um, I think that will certainly help companies um, develop their plans. However, I think you're absolutely right. You know, nobody's nobody's waiting um, uh, to see what happens before they make their plans. So, having looked at our membership, about 20% of them do benefit from EU passporting, and those companies are starting to make their plans um, to remain within the European Union or to remain with a base in the European Union, does that, does that necessarily mean that anyone would up sticks from the UK and move their entire operation? I don't think that's the case. That's not something we've heard from our membership. Um, but certainly opening a second office somewhere in Europe um, is an option that uh, a number of companies are exploring. Um, and then beyond that, I think... Um, most UK companies have an ambition to scale anyway uh, outside of the UK. The UK is a great market to build um, and approve your technology and scale it globally. So uh, I don't think those plans necessarily change. Um, the US, Europe, um, Asia are still you know, the most attractive markets that UK companies focus on. But is, is UK still some... Uh, in, in, does, it, does it really hold the pedestal on the mantle? In what sense? In the sense that, you know, okay, if you're starting up new, let's go to London. Let's not even look at Amsterdam. Let's not look at Singapore. Let's not look at, you know, San Francisco or New York. Let's look at London. Is London going to be relevant? I, I think so. I think um, certainly we, if you're launching a fintech business, uh, we certainly have the infrastructure and possibly the best talent pool to draw upon. 
in order to build your business. Um, I think the important factor here is how well we can sustain that through through Brexit, um, and and that really will be the um, uh, that will be the determining factor on how successful London remains. So we're very focused on uh, on supporting uh, you know talent within the UK and uh, the ability to draw talent from anywhere in the world um, for the areas which which we need for especially for the fintech sector. But how does it play out in the immigration uh, scheme of things? I mean, Brexit did sort of, you know, uh, touch a raw nerve, which was immigration. And now you're saying that the talent pool is there. Most of the talent pool in the UK comes from abroad. Well, we, It's not homegrown. Well, having looked at our membership, about 30% of our founders are uh, non-UK nationals um, of, of our fintech companies in our membership. And about 40% of their staff base is non-UK uh, nationals as well. So it's a, it's a sizable amount and it's something that we need to maintain. Um, we're, we're working um, quite closely with um, uh, the government on really developing developing how that uh, talent might be maintained within the UK post-Brexit. Um, certainly there are more signals coming from the government now as to what right EU nationals will have post-Brexit. Uh, and all of this as it, uh, as it emerges will certainly help us the sector to understand how best it can leverage that talent pool. What about the mayor of London's office? I mean, Sadiq Khan has said that he might just be looking at a city of London kind of a passport, right, you know, where everything would be status quo, nothing would change. Are you guys getting involved in that in any manner? Is your membership voicing or lobbying for something like this? Um, certainly, that's it's, it's positive signals. It's not something that we're um, that we've actively been involved in or, or lobbied on, but um, it, it's it's an interesting concept, and it will be interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out and whether whether something like that emerges. Uh, I certainly think the membership would be hugely supportive of that. Um, but uh, we're not just London centric. Uh, we 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 support members all across the UK in various regional hubs uh, across Leeds, Manchester, Edinburgh. Um, so just having a London passport might not necessarily be enough for. Uh, for, for the fintech sector, but it would certainly help. What's the best case scenario? The, I think the best case scenario is that um, London goes from strength to strength, um, that the fundamentals of, uh, of the ecosystem in the UK remain strong, uh, and that would mean that the talent base remains strong in the UK, the investment appetite for UK companies remains strong, and that the regulator in the FCA uh, remains as proactive as they've been over the last few years uh, in enacting regulations favourable to fintech. But invariably, there has to be a compromise, right? So do you think that the British government will have a compromise with the Eurozone? Again, um, I think I want to, want to stay clear of these kind of questions. I think that they're getting okay. slightly, slightly too political for, one, no, my, no. one, my expertise, and two, us as an organization. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, financing in the coming months for the remainder of 2017, what do you predict? I think we're going to have a good year in the UK. I think um, we've already seen in July a number of uh, big deals in the UK. Uh, Revolut's raised $66 million, Receipt Bank's raised $50 million, to name just a couple. Um, I think globally what we're going to see is a decline on last year, and that's primarily down to the big mega rounds that we had in China. So there was uh, Alipay and Financial, Lufax and JD Finance, which raised over a billion dollars each. And I don't think we're going to see... Uh, too many rounds of, of that size um, coming out of China. I think the feeling very much at the time in China was, or for Chinese companies, was that they were raising a bit of a war chest to take their operations outside of their home market. And I think we're starting to see that happen now. 
So, uh, and Financial has been um, pursuing MoneyGram. Uh, they've recently announced the JV with CIMBC for a mobile wallet in, in Malaysia. Uh, and Lufax has uh, just announced that they're launching their platform, their PFM platform in Singapore as well. So that's starting to happen. So I think we'll, we'll continue to see more of these large Chinese companies uh, trying to enter other markets. Um, for, for places like the US, I think the, the, investment, um, uh, the investment ecosystem is very strong. Uh, the US is in, is in the lead position this year. Uh, it's, it's recovered its lead position after China overtook it last year, and I think it will maintain that. Um, the, certainly, the volume of deals happening in the US uh, remains quite steady, and the volume of investment remains quite steady as well. I think what we're starting to see from a trend perspective is that whilst the number of deals is slightly declining, the actual investment volume going in is higher. Uh, and that, for me, is a signal of maturity uh, for fintech generally, um, that uh, we're starting to see more later stage rounds and, uh, and, and more sizable companies. There has been a, I guess, a second coming, if you will, in Europe, where now European countries like Germany, Spain, Portugal, the Netherlands, even some of the Nordic states are now basically have an equal shot of, you know, going in the lead as far as fintech and attracting talent is concerned. France, as you know, recently came out with the new president, came out with the new visa policy. Portugal is, you know, doing some additional work in uh, getting entrepreneurs to come over there and, you know, start up uh, their ops in Lisbon and so forth. Uh, Frankfurt wants to regrain the crown. With all this happening, how is London preparing itself to counter such offenses uh, by in, maybe perhaps introducing better policy uh, with the looming threat of Brexit? How does London stay positive about the whole thing? I, I think London's in a very unique position. Um, there's very few places in the world where you have both a, a, a established financial services sector, a booming tech sector, and sorry to just maybe complete this, and not just purely London, but you know the UK in, in general. Yeah, I, I think well to, to answer the first part of that question, uh, that um, London certainly is the, the you know the, the preeminent centre for for UK financial services and and fintech. And uh, as I was saying, that there's very few places in the world where you have a established financial services sector, a booming tech sector, um, the regulators, the policymakers, academia. Uh, the talent pool, all in, all in a very, uh, very sh- short geographic, small geographical space, um, and that uh, that sort of melting pot is is the is the really the why London excels uh, in financial services and fintech. Um, that's very hard to replicate anywhere else in the world. In in the US, uh, if you look at the US, for example, you know the tech expertise tends to be on the west coast, um, the financial services expertise on the east coast, and the regulators in, in Washington. Um, so, the the types of the types of Companies or the types of conversations you can have in the UK, where you can you can be speaking to banks, fintechs, uh, regulators, all within the same day and just a short tube journey ride, is very difficult for anyone else to replicate. So I think London has a natural protection um, when it comes to uh, challenges from from overseas, um, and and that's that's really where where we where the government has to focus. I think where London is at a disadvantage to places like the US is really on the on what we call the, the funding escalator. So at a certain point, um, if you're a company that reaches Series A and beyond and uh, is looking for a certain size of round of investment, really the, there's not many sources available to you in the UK. Uh, and that's where companies start looking 
overseas. So um, we're very we're very pleased that the government is uh, initiating a patient capital review, which is looking at really looking at how to incentivize uh, longer term focus capital from, uh, for example, pension funds into tech investment. And we think that will certainly help um, the UK long term. Is there anything that comes to mind or pops up in mind, something that London is doing that is absolutely stellar, an exa- a particular example? Um, do you mean from a, uh, from a vertical perspective or a, or a policy perspective? Vertical, vertical, vertical. Um, so I think uh, well, it's, it's, I'll answer the question more from a uh, sort of a UK perspective. I think um, the fact that we have uh, a number of uh, challenger banks that have been uh, authorised in the last few years um, and they are raising sizable rounds of investment. I think that's that's hugely um, that's hugely encouraging for what we're going to see moving forward. Uh, we have the Open Bank Initiative um, coming in next year, uh, which will really uh, open up that uh, retail banking space. And uh, we're already starting to see the challenger banks um, really position themselves uh, with uh, more customer-centric offerings. So, for example, we've seen Fedor in the UK. Um, launch in the UK and uh, have partnered with Nutmeg and Cedars. So um, really building out their marketplace with other fintech offerings. Um, we've seen Bud aggregating peer-to-peer services with the likes of Zopa and Ratesetter. Um, so I think this sort of move towards challenger banks and marketplace um, is, an interesting, uh, is an interesting development in the UK and that will certainly um, change the, the, the retail banking landscape. I agree. I think Challenger Bank is purely a UK phenomenon that just spread out worldwide. Uh, on a government level, when they see your trade body, which is Innovate Finance, how many other trade bodies are there that are representing the various fintech or quasi-fintech uh, sectors? So n- none dedicated to, uh, to, to fintech, but uh, there, are, there are obviously other uh, trade bodies that represent tech and uh, financial services, and we work quite closely with all of them um, on on various initiatives where there is overlap between fintech and tech, or fintech and financial services. So, on your innovate finance, let's just talk a few minutes about that. Other than this global summit that you do, is that is that the right word? The global summit. The global summit, yes. Uh, what else do you do throughout the year? Um, so, as I mentioned, we we have um, we have three hundred members, um, approximately uh, a one to five ratio in uh, one financial institution to uh, five startups at various stages of growth, uh, and we we do we do a number of programs. So, for the institutions, we do a more curated program focused around um, their innovation challenges. Uh, so, that could be anything from, uh, for example, with um, with large banks, we'll run. Uh, hackathons um, in collaboration with them. We'll do pitch competitions. Uh, we'll run curated introductions for them in, in certain verticals um, for, uh, that they're interested in where they can get to know some of the fintechs in that space. Or really look at, look at um, pro- uh, thematic problems where they're trying to address certain things within the bank for their customers uh, and I'd try and identify with them collaboratively fintechs that could solve that challenge uh, and, and make those introductions. Uh, for the startups, uh, we, we're running something called a, a fintech growth forum in September, which is really looking at um, the the areas that they need to focus on through their growth journey. So focused around uh, capital, talent, um, uh, and, and and scaling, um, and that really is a, a day curated for startups where a number of uh, 
professional services providers and advisors are coming in and running running sessions uh, focused on helping those companies to scale. Um, and beyond that, we run thematic working groups, which is a chance for uh, institutions and startups to come together to talk, talk about all sorts of things, anything from cyber, cap markets, um, uh, alternative finance, um, uh, to just name a few. Is Innovate Finance going to be using it itself as a template and go out into other territories? Um, so we're certainly supportive of other territories. Whilst we're, whilst we're UK-centric, um, we've seen a number of um, bodies emerge uh, across the world. Um, and rather than um, take our uh, formula overseas, what we've, what we've done is we've launched in collaboration with uh, Inner Tribe at Swift something called the Global Fintech uh, Fintech. Sorry, I'll say that again. Uh, something called the Global Fintech Hubs Federation. Uh, and that really is an opportunity and a platform for associations, economic development bodies, accelerators, anyone who's working towards the advancement of fintech in a jurisdiction to come together and knowledge share on a global level. Uh, and that currently has uh, 66 members which represent 40 uh, jurisdictions. Uh, and it's, uh, it's uh, run collaboratively between uh, Innovate Finance and Innovate at the moment. So, Abdul, for a startup that, you know, uh, wants to become a member of Innovate Finance, how do they join? What are the fees? What's the procedure like? So, it's very easy to join Innovate Finance. Uh, please get in touch with our membership team. You can email them at connect at innovatefinance.com. Uh, and the membership fees for startups is £1,000 a year. Okay, very cool. Esther, are you hiring by any chance? Um, we, we tend to expand our team from time to time. At the moment, we don't have any, any open roles, but uh, every six months or so, we review our team and, uh, uh, and see where we need to grow as an organization. And we do tend to hire from time to time, uh, but no open roles at the moment. Very cool. Anything you want to add, sir? It's been a pleasure having you here today. Uh, no, really pleased to have been on the show. Thank you for having me and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again. And for the conference next year, can you just give us a two-minute rundown of where the conference is going to be held, how people can get you know, invites or the opportunity to speak, etc.? Absolutely. So the, the conference is going to be held in London on the uh, 19th and 20th of March uh, next year. It'll be at the Guildhall, uh, which is in the city. Um, tickets are available now. You can go to ifgs2018.com. Uh, to secure your ticket. Uh, if you uh, want to become a member of Innovate Finance and um, exhibit, if you want to uh, sponsor the event, if you want to speak at the event, uh, you can find details of how to uh, declare your interest on that site as well. Mr. Abdul Haseeb Basit, co-founder of Innovate Finance, thank you very much for taking the time out to uh, talk to us today. Hopefully we'll speak somewhere down the line and definitely we will cross our paths with the Innovate Finance Global Summit next year in London. Thanks for having me. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 